Hi everyone, welcome back to part two. Uh, This episode is going to be uh, mainly referring to The Big Uneasy, which you can find on uh, The Dot Club, Amazon Prime. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you have not uh, signed up, you absolutely should. And it's very easy. All you have to do is go to our site, doc-hard.com, and click and become a part of the Doc Hard Club and watch The Big Uneasy with us. Uh, and you're more than welcome to pause it and come back. Um, or if you just want to hear our opinions on it, <laughs> stay tuned. everybody i'm amy cooey i'm rebecca guerra and this is doc hard <laughs> uh yeah doc, yeah doc, no. doc hard have you doc heard have you have you doc heard <laughs> uh so this episode is going to be on the big uneasy oh boy oh boy oh boy amy knows a little something about that yeah uh, so it's gonna it's gonna be a real personal uh personal story time um, I personally did not think that this was the best made documentary, um, which I, I, I'm not going to mince words. It's disappointing because for sure this story deserves to be told well and over and over again. Um, and not that it was poorly told. I just find personally, uh, Harry Shearer, who is, uh, to me, most known as the his many uh, vocal talents that he does for The Simpsons. Um, but he's an actor, and I don't particularly find that actors jump to directing and producing and all of that um, super, super well. So I'm not holding it against him personally. I do feel like this was probably a project close to his heart, but I just want to get that out of the way because I feel like just thinking back on it and trying to gather my thoughts on it because I unlike Amy did not like Katrina did not directly affect me like I watched it like a lot of Americans just home kind of horrified like watching it happen on the news um but I I do wish that it again it was told a little bit better a little bit clearer um there was a lot of musical uh like uh, abrupt musical notes that sounded like what do we say like SNL yeah. trumpets and <laughs> Um, which the music I did like pay attention to the credits and the music and everybody like it seemed like it was very again like probably personal for all of them and they were trying to give a little bit of Louisiana a little bit of that um, flair to the film but it just didn't flow very well so I hope that we can you know we still want to follow through the course of the movie and go over some things Um, I personally have more questions than answers uh, which I will direct to Amy, who is much more experienced with this. But yeah, that's just my personal take on it. Um, not the best. Um, if you've watched it, we hope you have. Um, you know, you still get a lot of information out of it, things that I didn't know, um, and a lot of facts. But just, uh, you know, John Goodman and a little Brad Pitt voiceover and that kind of stuff thrown in, it's like, I don't know if we needed that. But, yeah. <laughs> but sure, I was more interested in the real stories. Um, so, like, I just have notes on notes on everyone's name uh everyone's names from this film um dr ivor van heerden 
who had just the most delightful accent you ever heard. Mm-hmm. Um, still trying to get his life back together. Bless him. Bless uh, I think I Googled him recently. Um, suing to get his job back because after the information that he and some others uncovered on uh, Team Louisiana, which was a, a research team that went in to see, you know, what exactly, like what the hell happened um, after Katrina came through and everybody, myself included, um, not everybody, but much of the country was just led to believe by the media and what else that this was a natural disaster, and he was one of the people that came in and said, well, actually, it wasn't, though. Um, so that's really the biggest point, I think, of this doc specifically related to Katrina that's important to remember um, in spite of, you know, how you may feel about the artistic side of it. Um, so he, uh, yeah, he actually got, like, kind of shoved right out of his job, which is, uh, well, frankly, pisses me off. Um, but, yeah, he was one of uh, another sorry, one of several on this team, another one being um, Maria Garzino, Garzino, who uh, was responsible for testing um, and installing, well, testing the the pumps, the hydraulic pumps, which, as I understand it, still aren't fixed. No. Uh, and she determined well, and time and time and time again. <laughs> oh, exactly. Um, <laughs> she determined, like, over uh, countless tests and all the data that they showed that she collected herself, um, that they weren't working. And long story short, she got out of Dodge because she was like, well, I can't uh, fake the truth. And that's what happened. And also she was one who, I think she still has her job, but was also kind of ousted by the community, um, which is terribly sad. Um, but all this goes to the Army Corps of Engineers. So this specific team, we haven't even covered everyone on the team yet, but this specific team was basically just kind of going in and being like, did we do the right thing though? Uh, was, you know, the, uh, the breaks in, in the walls and, and all of that that happened, like, was it really because the storm was so powerful or was it we weren't prepared for it? Right. So Was this the, a national terrible disaster? Yeah. Or was some of the disaster on the hands of the way we chose to protect yes, the city? Yes, exactly. The biggest question. And uh, to my mind, it answers it very clearly. Um, that the Army Corps of Engineers is to be held accountable for a lot of this because they had the data in the beginning. And it's almost like the Rainmaker or something like that where you watch like the sensationalized story or read the, the read the book and it's like, well, yeah, there's clearly a good guy and a bad guy here. And it's not to villainize like the Army Corps of Engineers because no. I'm sure it's made up of fantastic individuals. Absolutely. Um, but as far as like going to court and all of that, they were even taken to court and proven uh, by, oh wait, I'm going to skip ahead for a second, proven in court by Pittman, um, which was the specific like contracting group that were like, you know, you guys designed this and the foundation was one of the big parts. So we talked about the hydraulic pumps, the foundation of some of these walls, which is like, I remember from like grade school songs where you can't build something, a house upon sand or some shit. Like, yeah, don't do that. You can't build a sandcastle on sand. Like the water's going to rush over it. Let's build levees that protect an entire city on sand. Yeah. Let's, let's put, let's um, not penetrate deep enough down into the soil. No. In these gigantic cement walls and make sure that they dry out. uh, So when water comes seeping through that it can just be taken out. Yeah, or the like the organic matter they said they like took out of that the soil and the sand material, and then it just left holes. So like water goes 
through holes, I think. Pretty mm-hmm. sure. Hmm. Um, interesting. So I when like, Pittman won in court like and they saying. were like, yeah, this foundation is not going to hold. Like the the wall basically fell in in a couple places. Yeah. What was it? The, the London Ave uh, Canal? Like one of the biggest breaks. But there were so many of them. I couldn't even keep track. The map that they showed at the beginning was fantastic. But Absolutely. it was like overwhelming. Because they even said like you only saw on the news, you only saw like three of them. Mm-hmm. I only knew about three. And I don't even remember all the names of them, but I just remember they kept going back to the same ones and being like, why was that one? That little tiny wall accounted for such a big part of the city and such a big uh, population to be displaced. Like, that doesn't make any sense. But it does when you watch this doc and learn that it wasn't just one wall and it was like just this pervasive issue that they had that they didn't take care of it. So that's the bottom line. I mean, I'm sure there's a a bunch of... uh, legal issues and and you know facts that i'm not aware of um you know article three section blah 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 but bottom line like you knew that you built this wall on an unsteady foundation you knew the hydraulic pumps were only working at like 50 percent capacity Mm -hmm. um it doesn't matter if the storm coming is not you know a level five or whatever you want to call it on whatever scale it's like be prepared for the worst possible situation but hope for the best and they were not prepared for the worst Right. Um, and well, another you, thing is, too, sorry, but fucking Katrina. So I didn't even realize that the, the data that they were pulling from to call it whatever level hurricane, like they were using shit that was outdated. So like in the 70s, they updated like here is um, this is how many. Wait, I'm going to try to look up the how many uh, uh, miles per hour the winds have to be for it to be considered you know, this level of hurricane. And that was something they were going off of from like the 40s or 50s. 140 mile per hour winds. What did Katrina have, like 100? So in 1979, it was category four is 140 miles per hour. 175. Really? Top winds were 175. And then I don't know, because it sounded like to me, like they were basically saying like it was categorized wrong. Like it it should have withheld that storm and more. Right. Like it shouldn't have been toppled over. Like Absolutely. they were making it sound like I mean, a much bigger storm than it was. It was basically prepared for a uh, uh, category three. And even though she was a three when she actually made landfall, I believe, it still was, you know, just too much. And at the same time, even if they were made correctly, who knows if they would have been able to withstand something so strong. I mean, you can't right. well, really truly fight Mother Nature. Right, we'll never know. And even one of the main scientists that was a part of this study, uh, uh, Dr. Raymond Reed from uh, Cal State, he didn't even want to be interviewed with this. He didn't want to Ray have... Seed. Ray Reed? Yeah. Okay. Raymond Reed, Dr. Reed. Yo, what's up, Dr. Reed? But they read a lot of things from him. And man, like, you know, I still have to be somewhat funny with this stuff. But they gave him a very generous voice dubbing. When you hear him in normal, like, public, he's, his voice is very high like this. But then when they do the voice dubbing, it's yeah. just like, and then all of a sudden, the lowering of the testing rate of the pump. And you're just like, oh, my gosh. Wow, like, you're very generous with his manhood on that yeah, one, aren't part you? Part of the flair that they wanted to add to the yeah. talk. They're constantly trying like, to put a little bit of that Louisiana. Nola flair in there. Yeah, <laughs> I can't do it. But, yeah, yeah they. Uh, so I, I wrote seed on every page. That's so funny. Um, but what is he, a professor, professor of engineering at UC Berkeley? Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't even appear in the doc. So that's yeah. why they had to give him that voice. Well, because uh, to be fair... Whenever this is probably going to make men in black fly in the windows on grappling hooks, Sweet. but whenever the government is involved, 
there are people that are going to want to protect their jobs and they're going to want to protect themselves. It's one thing to write up a report, but it's another thing to put a face with the words and a name with what you wrote. Yeah, because we saw what happened to his colleagues and people that he agreed with. You know, it doesn't mean that he doesn't have, you know, as much dedication as the other people did to tell the truth. It just means that he wrote something up and that was that. Um, But definitely, like, with this type of situation, when you are seeing evidence everywhere of water lines and frozen clocks and everything that people have worked their life for, um, photographs and keepsakes and things like this in this area that you're surveying, in this area that you're trying to figure out what happened, that's where I think uh, some of these people really understood the magnitude of what they were researching and that they weren't just trying to find answers, but they were trying to refine hope for some of these people to understand what happened to them. Yeah. You know, it's it's a different thing if it just washes up on shore and then you have to deal with it. But it's another thing um, to feel like something that was a safety net there to protect you and your family failed. Exactly. As if you were a trapeze artist and you fell and that net was not a net. It was just a projection the entire time. So I feel like the, the, the heart of some of these scientists and some of these people that were trying to figure out what was going on, you know, that, that uh, it had to have played a part. Uh, my favorite, uh, Dr. Dr. Bob B., Robert B., <laughs> yeah. um, P.S., I want him to, to go that. on a date with Gloria so bad. <laughs> I think that they would make a beautiful life together and they would fall in love. He's a darling man. Gloria Vanderbilt B. Oh, I just want to put them both in a pair of blue jeans. Um, but just he also uh, just seemed to understand the magnitude and just kept kept persevering and going after it. Um, but hey, Beck, do you remember Tab? Tab ben- Benoit? 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 It, but I believe Why it's Benoit. I'm so bad at this. Because well, you got to think about Cajun Creole and French. Yeah, that's so what I'm like. So if you're, if you're thinking that somebody's name is Benoit, it's most likely Benoit, you know? Um, if you ever want to test yourself, look up some southern city names and southern city streets. Try and say them in the go-to pronunciation guide, and you will probably be like, oh, what the rest? Uh, you know, because I'm from Pascagoula, Mississippi. Try and spell that and say that three times fast. It's difficult. Um, anyway, so Tab, uh, he's the founder of The Wetlands, which is... Um, uh, uh, a musical group, and uh, I wrote more like the seat of the wet pants. <laughs> I literally drew uh, a little pair of batting eyes, not to detract from how important oh, this topic is. Uh, Let me tell you what, boy, oh what a nice little specimen of a of a southern man. He looks like Al Borland went through a sexy machine <laughs> and had sex with Kevin Arnold's dad from <laughs> growing really or from Wonder Years. I'm telling you, he literally just, looks like whew, that though. Yowza. I remember when you said got that, that I was strong, like, masculine beard, those nice forearms. <laughs> he's, he's got the bayou behind him and just pretty just teeth. Looking around for crawfish. Looking around for crawfish. I'm like, I bet you can catch a fish with your bare hands. Come on. Uh, so clearly, uh, we like Tab. Uh, I'm waiting for Kyle Chandler to play him in a movie. <laughs> so not a big deal. No. Um, but one of the things that came up around 
him because even though I'm I'm from the Mississippi Gulf Coast, doesn't mean like I know everything. Uh, you know, like a time that I was driving with friends through California or across the country to California. And they were like, well, you're going to drive in California because you're from there. That does not mean that I know the entire state of California. It means I know where I grew up in Concord. Like, shout yeah. out to Concord. But still, I don't <laughs> know everywhere. And, and, and California's gigantic. I'm only from the elbow. Like, give me a break. Um, so needless to say, Katrina is not the first uh, uh, crazy disaster I went through. I mean, October 17, 1989, the earthquake. My parents were at the uh, epicenter uh, when it was uh, Oakland A's versus San Francisco Giants. So this is like my first time dealing with something that was kind of like out of your comprehension. Like you just can't, you can look at news footage and you can look at photographs but when you're standing in front of something that happened and, and you're taking it in with your eyes, there's just, there's no way, there's no way to convey it. Um, so with that being said, uh, one of the things that um, they mentioned was that the coast of Louisiana um, and the wetlands were built up over a thousand years, naturally building a beautiful and amazing barrier to protect Louisianans and all of it. Uh, all of what was going on there. Yeah. Uh, but it was taken back in less than a hundred years because of some of these um, decisions that were made uh, to block the Mississippi River or or guide it in certain directions and build levees and things like this. So, you know, and also Rebe- Rebecca was referring to the pumps. I mean, they said that there was somewhere between seven and $800 million on temporary, temporary yeah. pumps. Because it seems like more cost effective in the short term, but I mean, like, think about that. When, do, how long is it going to take for any part of the government or any, you know, um, contracted body that the government hires? In this case, Army Corps of Engineers is apparently like what they say Congress's favorite uh, contractor mm-hmm. to hire out. Um, like here, you take care of this, and they're just overwhelmed and overworked. But it, it, they always look for those cost cutting measures. Yeah. I feel like in every situation that you hear like this, and it's like, when are people going to learn? Like stitch in time saves nine. Like fix it for good or fix it every two right. years for a couple hundred million dollars. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Well, and then you it just doesn't make any sense like, on paper. Why would you live there? Why, why would you, why would you live on the coast? Why would you stay there? And, and I, I just don't even know how to answer people when it comes to that. So what we're supposed to completely evacuate our Gulf coast. I was waiting to tell you Florida and, and, and South Carolina and North Carolina and completely stay away from all of our coastlines just because something might happen. I was waiting to tell you this, but during that part, so like when they did like ask a, uh, like New Orleanian, New, yeah, New Orleanian, and then John Goodman comes out, and then they play like the SNL, like. <laughs> uh, but one of the questions they asked, and I felt really stupid, but it should make me feel stupid, was because when this happened, which was what twelve twelve years ago, twelve years ago uh, last Monday, I um yeah, so it was right after my birthday, and I just remember watching it on television and thinking, you know, I was a pretty smart twenty something year old. And I was just like, why, like, move away from there? Like, when my parents moved to, uh, like, bless them, but they moved out of the city, which was just ridiculous to me, and to a place where tornadoes just run rampant, like, there's nothing blocking the air, so it's just anything that, you know, Mother Nature brings down upon us. Um, I didn't think that that was the best decision. Granted, they had a lot of reasons for doing it, and, and crime being one of them in Chicago, that isn't such a big deal out there. Um, but it's still like, it was that kind of, uh, 
like almost like childlike instinctive thought that I had that I guess a lot of people had because you can't you don't live in New Orleans without hearing that stupid ass question like why wouldn't you just move away from New Orleans well I've never been to New Orleans also so who am I to ask that question Mm. um but then when you learn about the wetlands and even if that wasn't the case it's like yeah you're exactly right you're just supposed to evacuate entire population of people because yeah something might happen um there's, you know, danger at every turn in every America. Every single so. place we live, something can happen. Right. So you can't blame or have or pass judgment on someone that decides to live in beachfront property. Right. But but the beachfront property isn't even... That was what blew my mind about this was like the wetlands. Like you said, like so much of it receded over the last century because of man-made decisions and errors and a lot of that would have absorbed like the same way you keep like the natural things in the soil those cypress trees that's an actual like as if you were to just bury yourself in the sand and and hold hands like the toys in toy story three going into the furnace it can take those winds it can take that surge (laughs) that they're not going anywhere Like Ooh. that is that is what they are there for. And if you take away our natural resources in order to make a fucking buck, you end up hurting millions of people. I mean, bottom line. So, but then we're lucky enough to start meeting some of the people from the Army Corps of Engineers. And please do <laughs> not think that I, I, I hold no more ill will. I have let that go. Um, so if there's any change in my tone, it's mainly because of content, not because of people or blame or anything like that. But we get Karen, Karen, (laughs) Karen Durham Aguilera with her adult braces. She doesn't want to talk about anything of the past of the Army Corps engineers, but she would love to talk about the future as she's sitting there in a sling. Looking forward. I'm like, okay, um, let me, let me tell you what. I appreciate you being the face of a bunch of people that don't want anybody talking about the past. But if you're not going to say something to address it, and then you're just going to try and redirect it to toot another horn, I don't, like, I just, I can't, I can't get behind that. Like, we've all made mistakes, no matter if you are one person or if you are a part of a team or if you are a part of a company or if you are a part of the government, just own up to it. How much better would we be if we all just owned up to something? How many things could we fix? How many things wouldn't happen again? And how much better could things get if we own up to our mistakes? Like, what? how hard is that? We practice that in our homes. Why, how can we not practice that as a country? We fly this flag and we hold it so high and we hold it so dear to our hearts, but we will turn our backs on each other in a heartbeat just to cover our own ass. That's kind of the legacy, though, that we've, we've established. And I, I mean, in your own home, I, Amy got fired up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love it. Um, in your own home, like, that is what's taught, but it's not in every home. And I think it's one of those things Fair. that gets, like, you know, um, shoved down our throats by, like, leave it to beaver and shit like that. But it doesn't really, it doesn't really hold the test of time. For instance, uh, what... So Karen Aguilera, which you already covered this, but I want to give an Amy quote anyway. Um, (laughs) No wonder she didn't want us to talk about past hashtag adult braces. And then I put a little a a little music note because I think you sang that. You didn't even say it. You sang it. I did. I remember Um, that. That was great. Look, disclaimer. I don't. I like. I don't judge people that get adult braces. Gwen Stefani did it. You got to take care of yourself, but it doesn't mean I'm not going to notice. Yeah, especially when she's a part of something that was. uh, That's what I was going for. Was Task Force Hope. 
Yeah. I you, bet the Army Corps after, of Engineers paid for those braces to keep her <laughs> mouth shut. <laughs> sorry. Ooh, sorry. Yeah, no, don't be sorry. I'm sorry. After a couple 800, seven, $800 million worth of non-permanent pumps and solutions, mm-hmm. Task Force Hope, here they come to Was save us. Was she even wearing Leave it that? to Beaver style. Like it was like on her like... Vest oh yeah, or her hard hat. Yeah, it absolutely was. Hope. But like, meanwhile, the Army Corps has missed deadlines to like rebuild, help rebuild the wetlands, mm-hmm. which we tore not just them, but we as a society like tore down over time. So what the fuck, Task Force Hope? Like, pay your bills and fix the wetlands, man. Mm-mm-mm. Clearly, that would be a good solution. But what do I know? Right. I mean, and and through this, of course, there's choice quotes and there's choice things to take away. But one of the things that stuck out to me was um, by Dr. Ivor Van Herden. Uh, he said the mistakes at one of the bridges could be understood in the second year of engineering school. That's a scientist burn, if I've ever heard one. Mm. <laughs> like, like, and then mm. we have task, for, task Force Hope. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, something that a freshman or sophomore could understand we can't understand as a united group of the Army Corps of Engineers. Fantastic. Um, but before I get even more heated, we're just we're just gonna take we're just gonna take just a small break. Up. We're gonna take a small break. Um, just uh, thank you for uh, sticking with part two. Uh, there's more to come. Should we? Can we just go back in? All right. Um, so a new hated word uh, back is under seepage. Didn't know that that was a word I'd hate. Gross. Yeah. It, I, sounds, I it sounds awful. I don't like it for the way it sounds. And I also don't like it because of when they were referring <laughs> to it of how the water went under the levees. Um, which is what we're kind of talking about right now. Um, and as Becca even said, information from the seventies, I mean like 30% of the nation's energy comes from NOLA. Like, and, and when people say how we were talking about moving away from, from those types of cities where there's those types of dangers, every seaport is below sea level. Like, that's just the way it is. Yeah. That and, was one of those, the silly question portion yeah. that I was like, mm. even I know that one. Ask a New Orleanian. I'm John Goodman. I, no, I love John Goodman. I, I literally looked at that though at the same time you said it. Oh, so, crazy. Mind jinx. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, it, I, it, like, I can understand people being like, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's a dangerous spot and it's mm-hmm. below this and below that. Like, you can look at your own wherever you come from in the United States or anywhere, but specifically the United States, and and judge it for the fact that like you get earthquakes, mm-hmm. you get hurricanes, you get tornadoes, absolute fires. There's high the level Oakland of Hills crime. crime. Yeah, crime. Um, the Bible Belt. Mm. Um, no, but like you, mm. just to just to dismiss an entire population because that's what it is. You're dismissing the people that are there. Um, when in fact they, yeah, all of the energy, well, not all of, but like a big portion of the energy that you yourself use, your family uses, your community uses comes from that community that you're dismissing so Mm -hmm. heavy, like so easily. Um, so that's where I'm from. Pascagoula, Mississippi has uh, Ingalls shipyard. Uh, my daddy worked there. A lot of men that, uh, a lot of people work there. Um, it's one of the biggest shipbuilding, uh, areas in the united states yeah i mean that's just where it is keesler air force base is right off the coast like there are things that are are a huge part of our nation in some of these areas but the the point of the matter 
is that it doesn't matter where you live and where something is located. What matters is that you're trusting warnings. You're trusting being notified. You're trusting that people are doing their job. You are trusting the fact that someone is going to let you know to get out and when. Because we do have systems in place that should let you know. We sure no do. place no place is too dangerous that no one can live, no. you know, like who that isn't already occupied. Absolutely. And so, my sweet love, Robert B, he said you can't manage what you can't understand. Basically we had a lot of project managers instead of engineers. And I was like Yeah. Woo. Yeah. That was hot. Um I mean $580 million from our taxpayers to let us down. How did, how, like, I, it, it's, hard, it's hard to even understand. Yeah, because it's not an abstract. I mean, that sounds like when, when money gets that high or any number gets that high, it's too hard for me to wrap my mind around. But it's not abstract in the fact that, like, taxpayers, yeah, that came from us. That wasn't like, oh, money that was lost in the 40s or money yeah. that was lost by press generations. Well, specifically, it's money that, that 580 by... million was referring to the renovation of the Mississippi River, Mr. Go or whatever. Oh, yeah. So it was obsolete, though, before it even started. Right. So that was a an extra waste of money. An extra absolute waste of money. By of the time it finally opened, human money. it wasn't even useful to, to anyone anymore. Glad we did it. Glad, I... glad we redirected one of the most thriving beautiful rivers in our united states in order to probably take away from our gorgeous wetlands um oh absolutely which houses so many different uh birds and gorgeous animals like what i just and also helps preserve human life um but yeah for for that many dollars to be dropped like actual dollars even though it's like again such a big amount you can't wrap your head around it people paid for that to happen and then uh what did they call it after a public hearing i think in 1972 they adopted the name for it the funnel um because water just goes up Mm -hmm. it gets stuck and yeah and they're like well you know what a funnel is right yeah i uh, yeah that makes absolute sense and it all goes back to like the maps they showed at the beginning of well what you yourself experienced what i only watched on television of like what happened when water comes rushing at walls that aren't you know readily prepared hydraulic pumps that can't pump the water fast enough and then that fucking funnel like Mm. it just all of all of the things that could have been prevented if people just took the time and used the money wisely but Mm -hmm. and it's no one person's blame but at the same time it's like everybody has to take it into their own accountability moving forward and that's all they keep talking about it's like moving forward moving forward task force hope okay what are we going to do differently because you know, we're not just about assigning blame. Right. But Team Louisiana came in and said, well, this is wrong. It needs to be fixed. No, it doesn't. Right. But then how does that give anyone hope? What is that changing? Oh, Becca, no, no, no. Let's just fire Team Louisiana and make sure that they, everything they've ever worked for in their entire life uh, disappears completely. Call them an enemy of the state. Much like the people that, uh, yeah, poor, sweet Dr. B, an enemy of the United States. Um, Let's make sure to take everything from these people that are trying to help everybody that had everything taken from them. That sounds like a fucking great idea. Um, you know, the consequences for knowing. Ugh, my fucking heart. Give me a break. So one, one, a really delicious quote from, uh, I believe it was a colonel in the Army Corps. He said, it's, um, it's like being an armchair quarterback of a football game on the Monday morning after the football game. <laughs> I'm s- Which sorry. Is kind of a- what the fuck did you just say? 
what? Really? Sitting there in your camo with your little hands crossed over your lap, rocking back and forth in your little office chair. What the hell kind of fucking quote is that? Don't you understand what that makes people feel? There are people still dealing with this. I know that even with the Ask a New Orleans part where they're like, is there still water? Is there still this? Like all of these questions that people may or may not realize have or know. There are definitely, even though we are 12 years out, there are definitely still effects from this storm. And to see a documentary on how to explain what happened and somebody so just flippantly say something, it just, you might as well give me a sliver that never comes out because that's how I feel when I hear it. Armchair quarterback fucking... The library's open for you, asshole. He knows not what he speaks. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, and when, when we laughed because they... I was like, I could feel the blood boiling up in your face. Uh, That's when I, that. I stopped taking notes after after this point. I have to I, I have to be honest. I the only other thing that I wrote down was that um, uh, Maria, who was the one that found out that the um, testing of the pumps was lowered in order to pass. She was honored with a Public Servant of the Year award. And Becca just says under her breath, still not a job. I mean, <laughs> Because shit. these people lost their jobs. Yeah. She's, They're well, trying she's to like, help us, and they lost their jobs. She sounds like she's clinging to her job the way I cling to, like, an office job for years and years that I hated, just because it was like, well, it still pays me. But meanwhile, like, right. somebody stuck a post-it on the back of my computer, like a little infant asshole um like you know like she's still not she's still not respected in her field and she still gets mm-hmm. you know I'm, I'm positive she gets commented at walks into a room and probably all the backs turn yeah yeah that kind of shit mm-hmm. and she's like well i'm still working and that's more than i can say for the boys um so that yeah that's fuck that award i can tell you where to stick that um sorry getting That's a little okay. fired up too i know it's, um, it's contagious huh? no and one of the things that i wrote down so uh specifically related to like the wetlands and all of that because going back to like how do we move forward okay you don't want to place blame whatever whatever even though some people should pay for this um engineered solutions are not natural solutions Mm -hmm. and i love that because i didn't even realize again that the the gulf is not all like oh not everyone's living on the fucking sand on the water that's just where we put the walls you guys Mm. to keep the water out Mm -hmm. so it's not the people's fault for where they choose to live it's the fact that like these are are you know like we don't have castles we're america we just have kind of old buildings and kind of neat architecture and louisiana has some of the best of that just from what i've seen on national geographic haven't even gone there yet you will so like, i'll take you oh shit yeah so like the, yeah we'll go on podcast on the road yeah. um so like that that kind of stuff like needs to be preserved obviously but again the human lives above all and those people should be allowed to live where they live because the wetlands once upon a time, protected them from said water. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what? Water protects you from water? That seems counterintuitive, right? <laughs> but it it's worked. Nature, you know, like Jeff Goldblum says in fucking Jurassic Park, nature finds a way. And all humans <laughs> do is come in and like chop it all up and try to make it like mm, projects and task force. And here's a woman with braces and like try to fix it that way. And it's Distraction. like... Distraction. Distraction. Exactly. Enhance. Enhance. It's, it's completely the opposite of what we should be doing so i love that moment and, mm-hmm. and i don't remember exactly who said that or how they said it but it was just like i wrote that down like yeah engineered solutions going forward um 
blast the Gulf, just experienced another storm and there's another one coming. And this is stuff that you, you have to think about. And even if, even if it wasn't in the present mindset, it needs to be like, it needs to be something that we think about. Um, Absolutely. If, if we're not going to preserve shit and we're just going to let it burn, then I guess just let it burn. But we don't need any more melodrama than, you know, about uh, new projects and, and going forward, like what the government's going to do. Like, I don't want to hear any of it then. You right. either fix it the right way or you don't fix it at all. Why is my do opinion. something? And if you're going to give, if you're going to help, uh, again, do it the right way. Be, be an informed participant. If you're like me and was a little smug asshole and was like, oh, why don't people just move away from there? Like, don't live in the suburbs, live in the city, <laughs> whatever. Um, our house got shot up like twice, by the way, in the South side. So it was good on my parents probably to move. Um, but yeah, that, that aside, it's like, don't, you know, don't just go off of what you think, you know, like learn more, obviously watch docs like we do. Cause I think it's really helpful. Even if you don't always agree with what they say, mm-hmm. um, learn the most information and go forward from there. Absolutely. And, you know, um, with a little bit of the experiences that I had, you know, what happened in New Orleans was extremely unfortunate and breaks my heart every time I even think about it. And it took me a long time to even watch, look up, read, and understand what actually happened. Instead of just looking at what was around me, what was around my friends, what was around my family, uh, what was around people that I knew and where they lived. Um, Measuring things with water lines. New Orleans filled up like a bowl of water. And that is incredibly, incredibly sad. But a lot of people don't realize what happened to the Gulf Coast of Mississippi. Every city from New Orleans to Mobile, Alabama, on the Gulf Coast was just annihilated. As if a toddler came in and played with everything and left it astray and went somewhere else. 18 wheelers picked up and twisted around, railroad tracks looking like DNA chains, complete roads dropped off out of sand, nothing left of people's homes, just pilings, just stairs, just a driveway. And nothing will ever take those memories away from me uh, and I absolutely would never take away the experience of going through such a storm because it helped me learn a lot about myself, a lot about my family, and a lot about human kindness, and a lot about what doesn't matter. But you want to be able to trust that there are people looking out for you. You want to be able to trust your neighbor, your mayor, your governor, your president, your government. You want to make sure that all of that money that's getting cut out of your paycheck is going towards helping you. And when you pay for flood insurance your entire life, like Virginia Browning, my grandmother, that lived two blocks away from the Gulf and had nine feet of water, that they're not going to say that it was wind-driven, that they're going to admit that it was a flood, and that they're going to insure more than your fence and your roof. That is what you're hoping for. Um, I worked a very long time doing demolition and construction, helping people 
get back into their homes. Um, uh, we called it St. Pobavalen, which was a combination of all the cities in, in Mississippi, past Christian, Waveland, Bay St. Louis, um, where it was hit the hardest. And I cherish those memories and I cherish those times. Um, it made me who I am. Uh, so in this time, when you see what's going on with Harvey and you are trying to, maybe, maybe you don't know, maybe, maybe you don't want to see what's happening. Um, find out what's happening and understand that there are a lot of people that, that, that need your help. And it could be so small. It could be so small, but it's just knowing how to help. Um, I just wanted to share, uh, just because of the fact that it was 12 years uh, last week that Katrina hit uh, and changed my life, changed my parents' life. Uh, my parents were homeless for a year and a half. My dad couldn't stand up in their FEMA trailer when they finally got it. They had to stay in a hotel for about six months. Uh, couldn't fit on the bed. God love him. Uh, but, you know, a lot of my family was affected and friends. Um, but just, just some statistics just to kind of be able to wrap your, your, your mind around it a little bit more. So Katrina was the third strongest storm to hit landfall in U.S. history. Uh, 1,836 people died. 705 people are still missing. It was up to 175 mile an hour winds, a surge of 20 feet, 80% of New Orleans was underwater and up to 20 feet in some areas. It impacted 90,000 square miles. Anywhere from 125 billion to 150 billion was the total cost of recovery after Katrina. 27 trillion gallons of rain and water has gushed onto Texas. 50 inches of rain. Harvey hit August 25th as a Category 3 in Corpus Christi. It hit Texas and Louisiana. Currently, there are around 47 deaths. There have been over 4,200 water rescues. That was the largest amount of rainfall during a named storm in U.S. history. It affected 33 counties. 32,000 evacuees, 440,000 people registered for individual assistance, 79 million approved by FEMA. This is a huge impact, and these people will be suffering for a very long time. There are still people, including my parents, that suffer from the ramifications of Katrina. You may ask yourself, how do you help? What do you do? I don't know. Honestly, I don't. But do not donate to big companies. Figure out a way to find a local company that you connect with, a local organization, something that means something to you, whether it be donating diapers or sending crates of bottled water something that you would want to receive in a disaster. And if you've never been through a disaster, just think about what you would want if you had nothing and send that. I don't know how or who to tell you to donate to, but don't donate the wrong things. 
I'll never forget when I opened up a box of wool blankets and teddy bears. I did not need that. I appreciated it, but I did not need it. So with what's going on right now, make sure to take care of your brothers and sisters and also anyone that's in the path of Irma. Stay safe. Take cover. Evacuate or stay. Do whatever you need to do. Yeah, whatever you need to do, for sure. But just know that know that I understand and my heart goes out to you. That's it, I guess. That's fucking it. Thanks for listening to uh, part one and part two. All right. Amy, that was brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm recovering from listening to that. I don't know how you feel. No, thanks for listening. It's weird to talk about Uh, (laughs) This is uh, Rebecca Guerra. I just got schooled by Amy Cooey. This is Doc Hard. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.